0: Okay, so just want to check. Everyone's in here. We're talking about leading uh, charismatic worship. Everyone in the right seminar? Yeah. Sorry about the embarrassment. If it's not, you can leave <laughs> quietly. I <laughs> won't feel rejected at all. Uh, fantastic. Oh, great. Um, so it'd be good just to, a quick, um, quick show of hands, just, just to help us a little bit in terms of, um, maybe just in church life, what kind of ministry role um, you guys are, are kind of... Um, serving in, so it could be that you're part of a worship team, it could be that you um, anchor or host kind of, um, kind of corporate gatherings of worship, it could be that you, you preach, it could be that you're on a leadership team, it could be none of those things, but um, can I just check first, anyone that's on a worship team, is your predominant role, um, okay cool, how about like hosting, anchoring kind of leading meetings, fantastic, um, what about sort of preaching, oh, great, Okay, so um, anyone I didn't mention there that's just here because interested in seeing how it all works, together, are going to, yeah, kind of. Okay, cool. So most people, it seems, kind of, you know, serving in a worship team maybe or leading meetings um, and that kind of thing. That's great. So very quickly for me, so I've, um, I've been in a New Frontiers type of church uh, for probably about 23 years. Um, been part of this church here for I think about 22 of those, um, and I have um, just a. I remember walking to the first time I was in a New Frontiers church when I moved from South Africa to here, and uh, I'd been part of a charismatic church in South Africa, but walked into this environment and noticed something very, very different. Um, in that during our worship times, people were um, from the floor were bringing spiritual gifts, um, and that was a very new experience from, uh, for me listening to someone like Terry Virgo um, just kind of talk about his experiences and then biblically kind of backing up the way that we see kind of worship kind of services happen in in this kind of environment. Um, I was convinced by what he said, um, but actually the experience of putting it into practice as a worship leader, as a host, and and preaching in these kind of environments has been up and down. It's not easy at all, Um, and so we wanted to kind of talk about some of those experiences, but one of the things I, uh, I think Tim mentioned uh, yesterday morning was just about kind of legacy. Um, and uh, I remember a talk from West Point a few years ago where someone was talking about sort of Elijah handing on to Elisha, next to second generation, and then the next guy who I don't know his name. Does anyone know? I think it starts with a G. The guy that Elisha handed on to, we don't know about him, probably because... Nothing really happened after that, and so it's just like a bit of a, a kind of warning, I suppose, just to think, you know, we a lot of us are kind of second generation, maybe third generation within the new frontiers kind of movement of churches, but we've got a beautiful legacy um, that we want to preserve and hold on to and protect, and so, and so that's some of the stuff we want to kind of talk into as well. But I want to uh, invite my friend Priscilla. Priscilla and I have been leading worship together for I don't know,
1: yes. 15 years or something like that.
0: Uh, Brilliant friend of mine. She's uh, had so much experience in, in all sorts of things, all leadership contexts, and, and leading in India as well. So, you're going to take the first part? Yeah, great. Cool.
2: Thank you. Um, so, just a very quick bit of my background. Uh, I grew up in in Mumbai, and my dad was a pastor of a Baptist church there. And um, I was part of the church when, as he took the church through um, sort of working out what the, what it means to now be a charismatic church. And so for me, I just grew up in that environment where there was a lot of teaching around uh, how do we transition as a church now from being uh, in, into sort of a church that operates with the gifts of the spirit and what our worship looks like. And so um, then as becoming a worship leader, just finding my feet and understanding what that means and how I facilitate that in the meetings have been a quite a sharp uh, learning journey for me. And as we were discussing this seminar, we felt it would be great to sort of set the stage a little bit to, to, to help us understand why we do what we do in our churches. Some of us have walked into our churches and, and just absorbed the practices we see around us. We see people lifting hands, we see people clapping, we see people shouting, and we think maybe they just do these things this way. So let's, let's start with painting a picture here on why we do what we do yesterday Meg just brought this amazing provocation from John 4 that I had never realized before on the Samaritan woman and and the whole racing. I just loved it and I want us to go back to John 4 actually uh, and if you can in your Bibles let's look at verse 23 and 24. I'm not going to go through the whole story as we know it's Jesus meets the Samaritan woman but I want us to focus on the key verse for us for today which is at verse 23 says yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and truth when I read that I was like the father is seeking surely the all-knowing God doesn't lose things And it's not as if a self-sufficient God needs anything. Why would God seek anything? And I think it's because we seek what is important to us. We seek what we value. And God is seeking true worshippers because true worshippers matter to God. And, And broadly speaking, worshipping in spirit and in truth is worship that just springs from a sincere heart. And it's something that lines up with the truth of God's word. And God told the, Jesus told the Samaritan woman that not only was the father seeking true worshippers, but he came to make her one. And her story is that of every true worshipper. We begin by acknowledging our inability to worship God unless he draws us to him by his grace through his word. And so our worship of God begins with God revealing himself to us. If God didn't reveal himself to us, we wouldn't know who to trust, who to obey, who to thank and who to serve. And the word of God is a primary way that the, with which God enables this deepening relationship with him. And which is why it's so important in our times of song worship. I love it when we just sing scripture. I love like last night, we just sang Psalm 23 and we just sang it over the church. We sing these songs so that when we are, when I'm in my devotional, I'm reading my Bible, a verse is so familiar with me because i've sung it so many times i've sung it over um our church and it's and so this the worship experience involves god's revelation to us through his word and us responding back to him us exalting him so we've talked about why we worship but why do we sing i remember um there was a friend of ours who who got married to uh, this lady who's really like unchurched she had absolutely zero <coughs> church experience in in the uk and she came to city gate and you know we asked her how, how did you find it she said you know it's, it's like karaoke. And I'd never heard of our worship as karaoke. It was such a shock to our system, to me at least. And I was like, yeah, okay, I suppose so. so you've never experienced anything, all these people who stand up and follow these words on a screen. Um, and so uh, when it comes to Christians and singing, we have the trained and the passionate, but we might also have people who might not like to sing or may sing out of tune. But why does God want Christians to sing? Or why does he want us to sing? I think if it was an issue of, uh, you know, training or technique or voice range, it would be, it would be fine. But I, I believe that our, our voices, along with the other voices in the church, have been brought by the Savior, have been brought by the Savior. And, when, and as we sing and we present our songs to God, it, it brings him joy and it gives him glory. And the human voice given over to Jesus found in the company of other voices, makes a worthy song to him. No one is excused, not even those of us with zero musical ability, because the key question is not that, do I have a voice? But the key key question is, do I have a song? And when we see so many times in the Bible, we see Miriam, who just in exuberance because of what God has done, breaks out into song. And we have Uh, King David, who is this prolific songwriter. And we have Paul and Silas who sing in prison. But why do we sing? Why why do we not just recite poetry? Why do we not just wave banners with scripture on it or knock two pieces of wood together? Why do we sing? And I think it's, we we sing because when we we do a a study in, in scripture, there are like hundreds of references to singing and there are around 50 with direct exhortations for us to sing. But I also think it's because the, the Trinity are involved in singing. We have that verse from Zephaniah 3:17 that says the Father rejoices over us with singing. We have, uh, we, we read that Jesus sang at the Last Supper and he probably sang every week at the synagogue. And in uh, the, the Holy Spirit we see in Ephesians 5 that says singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is just so tied to being filled with the Holy Spirit that we don't know what's the cause And what's the effect? God wants us to sing because he sings. And we may not have a voice, but we definitely have a song. And so what I would just really like to encourage you, so what are the songs that you are singing over your circumstances? I always, that's like my go-to place. Every time I have like a difficult moment, I just go back to worship. I said, what am I saying now? What am I singing over this right now? What am I claiming victory for right now? And it's just because I know that God is god has always given me a song to sing Um, and god i know can bring healing through that so we we know why we worship and we know why we sing and how do we engage with worship and this is the bit that we often do in our corporate meetings so some of the ways we engage in worship is by lifting our hands and it's an act of surrender to god it is affirming that god is lord of all And it really is an outward expression of what God is doing in our hearts and what we're feeling. Another thing we do is clapping our hands. Uh, From um, Psalm 47 says, clap your hands, all you nations, shout for joy with cries of joy. So we, God exhorts us to clap our hands. Then they're shouting. So uh, we do see that sometimes, but our worship times should be times of celebration and joy. Our God has done magnificent things in our lives. And this is just our excitement and joy poured back to him. I think our churches should be noisy places <laughs> because the Bible exhorts us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Then we have something that is a little controversial in this culture, which is dancing. And we struggle with that in our churches, don't we? Uh, well, this morning we tried to do that song, <laughs> and I could, I, we could just, I could see it in the in the audience it was like, oh, this this has got a great rhythm to it. But should we, should we not? Should we, Should we go for it? And um, you know, we recently had our welcome lunch uh, last week, and there were just so many people, and we have a large contingent, uh from Nigeria and other African nations, and they always talk about worship. They always say, can we do more songs? And last Sunday, I actually had somebody on my table give me a list of Nigerian worship leaders whose songs we should incorporate in our. Worship, but I just love that we have all these cultures who just encourage us to stretch ourselves a bit and, and dance before God. And as worship leaders, we should be enabling people to engage in worship by demonstrating it, by teaching it, and by facilitating it. So, how can we do that as well to help our church just engage with worship a bit more? And another way is we use Uh, gifts in our churches to build each other up, shall we turn to 1 Corinthians 14, and I'm reading from verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at the most should speak, one at a time, and someone should interpret. Uh, The Bible tells us that he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. And speaking in tongues can help us express what's in our spirit, something that we cannot express through words. And there are two ways we do that in our churches. We have what we experienced in today's morning's meeting, where during, between a couple of songs, everybody started singing in tongues. Or last night, we had somebody who came up with the tongue and somebody else uh, interpreted it. So we have that in a couple of ways. And um, for me, this became really real for me. A few years ago, I was uh, on my way to a leaders meeting here and I was on on my own in the car and I just uh, felt like singing a song on my own. It was in English and I was just singing out stuff that God has done for me and this stuff sort of bubbling up where I was with God and what... I felt about God at that point, and I was just singing it, and I was was alone, I didn't think much of it, came, parked up, and went into the meeting. We started off with a time of worship, and uh, during the time of worship, I just really felt led to bring a tongue. So where I was standing, it was just a leader's meeting, so I just brought this tongue out, and Russell White, who is the leader of this church here, he uh, gave an interpretation after I finished uh, giving the tongue, and his interpretation i kid you not was word for word what i had sung in the car just the same phrases the the things i had spoken about god who god is and just that just became so real for me of how god uses as an expression of what is in our spirit to speak to him and after that i've just used the gift of tongues a lot I, I i sing over my family i just i sing over situations i sing in the spirit you know i just i know that god is listening and he did expressing something that I have no more words to say. And I just love how God has given us this beautiful gift to express our language uh, language to him that is between me and God. Another way that God uses, uh, God has given us a gift of exhortation. And I think this is something we probably see quite a lot in our churches, where we have somebody who comes up and, and uh, has a Bible verse or a scripture and comes up during the worship time. It's basically, a way of saying, come, come and look at this. God has given me something about this. I want all of us to look at it. It is a way of saying, come and look at the scripture and now let's use that to look to God. That is exhortation. And then there's prophecy. Do we see that often in our churches? Are we seeing that in our times of worship? Um, somebody will, might have a, a word of, from God that, he want, that they want to share. So, And the Bible tells us that we should weigh these words before they're shared, and which is why you'll often see people going up and speaking to the person hosting the meeting, whose responsibility is to wait and then kind of help them bring it. And um, for the seminar, I kind of reread Terry Virgo's book, No Well-Worn Parts, because I wanted to understand what were the key prophetic words that that God spoke over him and the other leaders that helped shape the movement. And there were quite a number of words that actually kind of changed the way the movement grew. Uh, And I had a quick chat with Guy at the weekend as well. I said, what were some of the keywords? And he couldn't remember the thought, but he said there have been words that came in at the time that just kind of helped shape how commission was developing. And and I just love the way that God uses the prophetic to open doors for God to do something in our lives. I'm sure you all have had words spoken over you that have helped shape what you've done or helped shape how you thought of yourself, or what you think God might want to be. I know that's happened to me numerous times, that people have come in and said, I I see, you know, a spirit of Deborah, or I I see this gift of prophetic worship or something. And I've just kind of spoken that has just said, okay, God, if if that's what you've got, I'm gonna in faith step into it and, and and see what you've got there for me. When we build, when we use the gifts that God has given us, we are edifying the body. Of Christ and what happens is it cuts across the grain of this consumeristic self-centered culture but actually and helps us to sort of exalt God uh, and serve the others uh, we don't engage in worship as a spectator but as somebody who's involved in worship and partnering with what God wants to do with the body of Christ um, I, I um, One of the things that I have found that has helped me is I have a devotional journal and sometimes God will give me something or I might write something. It's usually for me. Nine out of ten times it's something for me. But occasionally when I'm on a Sunday morning, God will remind me of something that I had written in my journal and he'll say, I think I want you to bring that. It's got a wider thing. And so then I'll, I'll, I'll share it. I get so encouraged when people come up and say, you know, that was just for me that that just spoke to me and i just get encouraged because i'm like yes i heard god not just for me but it was help somebody else encounter him help somebody else encounter his his grace and our worship times should be a place of meeting god our worship isn't only about god but it involves god and when we come into a worship atmosphere we are confronted with the heart of a loving father who has a purpose and a destiny for our lives we encounter god in a now moment in a face-to-face moment. And worship should be seen as a divine conversation. On our part, we are honouring God, we are adoring God, and He, in His turn, is breathing His purposes and His plans into our hearts and our lives and the life of the church. And the heart of God has always been for for relationship and encounter. It's a two-way street. God created us for a face-to-face relationship with him. And his desire has always been to commune with us. When we read of Adam and Moses and Enoch and Noah, it's always God saying, I want to meet with you. You know, I want to connect with you. What, how, what are we doing for that? And I just um, want to leave us with this, where I want to say that as worship leaders and leaders in churches, I think it is our responsibility to facilitate and enable our Sundays to become these places of encounter. And I think the way we worship God in our charismatic settings and all the things that we've just talked about in the last few minutes, I think these are great ways where God can meet with us and build the body of Christ together. So I'm gonna hand off to Sean now, who's gonna explain a bit more of how we can do this in our meetings.
0: Fantastic. So that all sounds brilliant. Uh, Great biblical explanation. But when it comes to actually on the ground, getting involved in it, it can be super messy. Who's who's found that? (laughs) Um, Just leading worship over time. I, I think I realized that in the natural, I wouldn't do it the way we do it. Because it's uncomfortable. It's not easy. Um, If I was to lead worship and I didn't want the dynamic of the Holy Spirit, I would just get the set list together of like super songs. I'd work out the brilliant transition between from that one to that one. I'd make sure all the musicians would just nail it everywhere. Harmonies, you know, guitars, all that kind of stuff. And just take them through a journey. 35 minutes I've got, I'm just going to do the whole thing. And they're going to get what we give them. And that would be okay, you know? Because what we can produce is something good, it's mediocre, but it's nothing like the dynamic move of the Holy Spirit. Because only the Holy Spirit can really transform the situation and moment as a church. Um, I've known that over time, you know? Just, I've even led and thinking, gosh, this band sounds brilliant, this is great, but it's just something missing here. And then someone comes up and brings Word of knowledge or just opens up some scripture or brings a prophetic word and the whole situation just changes. The whole atmosphere changes, and, you know, and people are transformed in those moments.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's messy. It's really messy. If, you, if you're in a worship team here, um, you, you will know this full well. If you're a worship leader particularly, like you'll, you'll be preparing the week and, and, and you'll kind of get some songs together and then you'll talk to your band and you communicate everything and all the keys of the songs and all the kind of way you want to do it. And you get to the Sunday, and you go, you start people on the journey, and then some, you know, someone brings a contribution that just takes it off in a different direction. And we always, in that moment, have to be really open and hold our agenda really loose because we're following the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And that tests us. It should. Mm. It should test our heart every single time as we defer, to continue to defer to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in that space. Mm. Um, and it's not just as worship leaders. Like I've I hosted meetings, and I remember one of the first times I host hosted a meeting. I like I literally I think I had to go to bed like straight afterwards because like my mind would just felt like it was just in all different directions, you know? Because you just don't know what's going to happen in any moment. Um, I remember sort of you're there, you think, okay, I've got to start with some scripture, try and help everyone engage with what we're going to do, and then kind of there, Van the start the new first song, it's great, and then just like a few people kind of. You know, come saddle up next to you and say what they believe God's, you know, kind of saying to them, and you realize, oh gosh, I know they've only got about 20 seconds left. I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to listen to you guys, whether they should, uh, I've got enough time to weigh it before I kind of let them go, uh, you know, and that kind of dynamic is really hard. And then they go up and they bring something completely different to what they told you, <laughs> and then, like, you think, oh my goodness, now what do I do? And then the next person's trying to talk to you as they're bringing that word, which you thought was something else completely. So you try to listen to two things at the same time. And, like that kind of dynamic is really tough like you wouldn't put, put it on yourself unless like we see it in scripture you know and so I suppose my first encouragement is like are you like are you up for it are you, like, are you up for that messiness no. like it's have you got a biblical conviction about it but I hope it doesn't just stay on the pages of the Bible are you trying to see it happen in your church do you have that kind of expectation and wanting to honour the person of the Holy Spirit in our meetings because he's the only one that can really transform um, and so um, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that to be honest but that's um, yeah so one of, the, one of the other things I wanted to just kind of throw out I'm just going to throw out a number of things actually I'm going to try and finish a bit early so we've just got some time for some questions and, and things like that um, I think one of the things that I, um, I learnt quite early on was from uh, when I was playing drums when I was like 16, um, worship leader at the time, he would only prepare two songs and uh, would go into a Sunday context and he'd do the first two songs and then he would just wait for someone in the congregation to maybe start a song or something like that. And it was like, it was like really like, exciting way to kind of learn how to do that kind of style um and though like I don't do that and I'm not suggesting that that is the way to go but it really taught me something about really trusting uh, and valuing body ministry Um, and it made me realize that it's not as if he wasn't preparing it's not as if that worship leader was saying, oh, I don't need to prepare, I'm just going to wing it, I'm just going to go into the Sunday. What he was actually doing is he was preparing based on a goal. And that goal was, I want to follow what the Holy Spirit's doing. And I want to facilitate a culture where people know that what we want to do is what 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says. Everyone comes to the heart of him, a song, a spiritual song. Um, and so, when I'm kind of practicing at home i'm i'm doing everything i possibly can musically like i really want to hone my musical skill i want to be able to know songs roughly off by heart if i can i want to know how i'm thinking of might transition quite easily i want to make sure i can hit the melodies and if i'm helping with harmony all that kind of stuff so that that kind of stuff almost becomes secondary so that i can really focus on what god is wanting to do in that place, because when you if you lead, if you lead worship here, there's so many things that you have to think about. I mean, you have to lead a band of musicians. Um, you know, you have to you have to be communicating with a host, and you have to keep an eye on the time. Sometimes you have to think, when are the kids going out? You know, there's there's loads of kind of that, that kind of stuff to think about. Sometimes some of you be playing with click tracks and multi tracks. It's just like tons of stuff that can just so distract us from the biggest goal you you have as a worship leader, which is Holy Spirit, where do you want to take this? You know, where do you want to go? And if the musicality kind of stuff becomes secondary, then you're way more in tune and, and able to, to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. So some people think, oh, it's like, well, you either lead by the Spirit or you kind of, you know, are really good as a musician. Or you prepare and you practice. It's not. It's you practice in a way that prepares you to lead by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really... Key for us to to kind of remember that. Um, so, prepare yourself for a meeting. Whether you're hosting a meeting or, or or kind of helping a worship team, prepare yourself. Get before God, as as Priscilla's saying. Um, practice obviously skills that are going to help you in that environment. But what is the Holy Spirit saying? Then preparing a team. So in a worship context. Um, it's one thing to come prepared yourself, but if you're leading a team of people and they've got no idea where you're gonna go, <laughs> what you'll find is, you're like, you notice this, oh gosh, after that song, I feel like maybe the Holy Spirit's gonna like, take a moment, I just wanna be ready for that. And so you kinda go into the moment thinking, yep, yeah, I know what's gonna happen here. Um, and you go into it, and um, you might like, lead a prophetic song or something like that, and you just really notice like, Where's my band? Like (laughs) they're just nowhere. And then you realise, why on earth didn't I communicate to them that I was at least had the intention or thinking, I think, you know, this might be a moment for us. So, guys, please be ready for that. This is the chord sequence, if you just kind of keep that going and let's just see what happens. At least then they prepared to kind of come with you, and you've got that momentum with you. And for so many years I led like just as a solo kind of worship leader um, just in my head where it's actually communicating bring people on the journey with you um, is really helpful in that kind of environment um, I'll just kind of oh, there's so much you can talk about practically but I just want to finish with this and I think whether you're preaching uh, hosting meetings in worship teams or, or any other environment we need to Remember that the Holy Spirit is a person, and Scripture talks about in ways that allow you to see the Holy Spirit is sensitive. Um, and if we think of like our human interactions and you think of someone who's sensitive, um, there's a positive view of sensitivity which is someone who's sensitive uh, might not be abrasive or they'll read the room and kind of adjust and you know, and that's a positive way of looking at sensitivity. But sometimes, a, oh that person's sensitive can be seen as a negative thing, right? Like, or oh, you know, they might not like the atmosphere and, and, and that kind of thing or they might be easily put off or grieved. Um, but often we don't think, well, the Holy Spirit is sensitive. So... The Holy Spirit is sensitive, um, so in a positive sense, he doesn't try to control you. He doesn't bulldoze into the room and just take over. Um, But also, there's this analogy that's used in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is like a dove. And if you think of a dove, it's one of the creatures which is probably the most sensitive to atmosphere and environment. If a dove settles anywhere, there's a jolly good reason. And if something spooks that dove, it'll fly away pretty quick. It's not like a pigeon, who, you know, you can't kind of do anything to get rid of it. Um, A pigeon will adjust to an environment and make its way, you know but a dove will only stay around in an environment where it is, I don't know, welcomed, there's an atmosphere that's good for it. And it's interesting that the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as a dove. Um, Are we facilitating an environment where the Holy Spirit wants to dwell among us? Um, I I talked about this, this kind of idea of like, if, if a dove somehow just, you know, we had a window open and a dove decided to kind of, kind of, you know, fly into the room and settle on my shoulder, I think all of us would be kind of checking out the dove, right? And I would be sort of changing and adjusting the way I move, you know, the way I talk, to ensure that the dove stays on my shoulder. Because um, I don't want the dove to go away. We want the dove to stay here. And so we all adjust to ensure that the Holy Spirit isn't grieved. That the Holy Spirit, is, you know, he's, he wants to be among us. And I just wonder how we approach Sunday morning sometimes. And I'll put my hand up to preparing in a way. It's just like, all right, I got the songs. i are just going to do this. I had a rough week. Go in, you know, and not really just even consider the Holy Spirit. What do you want to do today? How can I honour you? This is your meeting. I love you. I want you to be glorified here. I want you to reveal Jesus to these people in this room. I want you to remind us that we are sons and daughters. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so I'm trying as I'm leading or as I'm hosting now to try and ask Holy Spirit... What do you want to do? I want to do anything that is going to glorify Jesus here. I want you to do what you want to do here. And I think it's changed. Hopefully, it's changed the way I lead and the way I approach things. And, you know, yeah, Holy Spirit's not like this kind of power that you kind of just put your fingers in a wall and like, I'm just going to get, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not trying to demean him person that we need to honour in our meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope some of that kind of stuff is helpful um, from Priscilla and, and some of these practical things, but wanted to create some, um, just some, some time and space to, to hear from you guys. Like What are some of the, you know, it, it, I, I assume that because you're here and you're part of a commissioned church, you, you believe with conviction, biblically, that we want to see the gifts of the Spirit in our meetings activated among us because you know there's power in that it's transformative but I imagine like some you know the 20 years of me kind of going through it that there's been some ups and downs and there's some challenges and some really good times and then you kind of feel like you regress back what are some of the the challenges that you guys um, have um, in that environment yeah let's start
3: yeah just like to ask you do you play an instrument if so which instrument How how long have you been playing it And do you find, as a worship leader, is it better to have an instrument, or would it be
0: better for the worship leader not to have an instrument? Oh, okay. So I started playing drums first when I was 16, and then um, probably playing acoustic guitar for about, yeah, 20-odd years, 25 years or something like that. So I lead lead with an acoustic guitar, usually. Uh, Well, yeah. I think it really depends. Um, so obviously when you're used to playing an instrument, um, as I said, it becomes second nature and um, it means that I can make transitions quite easily. But when you're leading or without an instrument, you're starting to rely on other people. And so that relationship needs to be super good um, and that can de- only really develop over time uh, and with experience and talking and feeding back. Um, and. A great amount of communication, really good communication um, with the band. Um, so I think it can work both ways. Uh, Prissy, you might want to be best at talking. That, so you've probably done
2: both. a
0: lot more kind of playing with keys and then playing,
2: <coughs> yeah. being supported. Yeah. So I think uh, you know if when I'm leading without an instrument, then it's uh, and I hear a prophetic word or something, and I want to kind of help take that forward, then I will try and think of some songs and then communicate with the, the the acoustic guitarist and say, let's go to that and I think I'd like to take that in D or E or whatever and then they kind of help me start them I might start the song but when I have when I've got when I'm on the keys, it's much easier because then I just do the transitions <laughs> and uh, we start on our own but yeah.
3: The you said, how important are rehearsals?
0: Um, I'm a firm believer in rehearsals um, for a number of reasons. So, musical, musically. Um, so, just the dynamics of playing as part of a team. I think it builds confidence. Um, I think it's an environment where you can test some stuff out. Um, so, if, if you can, in that environment... So, I always... I think it, it depends what the rehearsal is like. Again, if, you, if your rehearsal is based around the goal of leading by the spirit, then that rehearsal will look kind of different. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's the goal, um, it will be about, okay, let's try and work through the structure of the song and, and get that tight and sounding good. But how about let's give our, um, our singers an opportunity to just free flow a little bit mm-hmm. sing spontaneously. So let's have a chord sequence play. Let's just create an environment where this is a safe space to completely mess up. It doesn't really matter if you fail. But if you don't do it there, I mean, there's not very likely you're going to do it live on a Sunday morning uh, with possibly 100, 200 people in front of them. So I think the rehearsal space is really helpful. But you have to be intentional about what you want to do at that rehearsal based on a goal. Yeah. Yeah. So just always, uh, that's what I think, have a goal in mind. If your goal is, I want to lead by the Holy Spirit, then change everything that you do based on that goal. Um, if your goal is to sound... Absolutely brilliant on a Sunday, then your rehearsal will be going through all the songs for Sunday and then going home. Okay. So questions? Tell me.
4: Yeah, so I'll start by saying I love my church. congregation. <laughs> 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 um, but we are we're a smaller church and we have a quiet congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, and a congregation that feels like it's learning how to respond to the Holy Spirit yeah. and learning how to speak out and learning how to pray out even. Mm. Um, it's, you, and I, I think, you talk about reading the room and this is something I do a lot because yeah. I'm very aware that when I'm leading worship, for me my nervousness, closing my eyes and just being in the Spirit is great because I mm. forget about the congregation mm. but I can't do that. So I open my eyes often to read the room. And where I feel like, okay, a Holy Spirit feels like it's taking me on and up mm-hmm. to sort of bring, you know, let's cry out to God, let's worship mm-hmm. him, let's sing our praise. And then I open my eyes and read the room. If I read the room every time, every I would be quiet. Mm-hmm. I'd be quiet mm-hmm. for the entirety of worship. So I guess my question is, for me, I, I do need that encouragement from the congregation. that If I do something, I'm not gonna be stood in silence on my own mm-hmm. without a, a peep or without a response. Yeah, yeah. And how, how can I start to encourage that and mm. um, get past the barrier of being encouraged, but also then encouraging yeah.
0: the congregation? Yeah. So what tricky. size of, th- on a Sunday, I mean, 50, me. people, 50
4: people.
0: Okay, great. Um, so did you want to start?
2: Yeah. So um, about uh, eight years ago, we, we moved from here. We went back to India to help plant a church in the city of Bangalore. And uh, that church was about that, that size. And so one of the things we did as part of it was uh, did a lot of teaching around um, these the, you know, spiritual gifts. And so I, I remember we did a series of three Sundays where I, I taught on various things, and then we started with the preach, and then we did worship, so that people would just start to get familiar with it. And, and I hadn't I realized, but so many of the people joining our church had come from different church backgrounds, and so it was quite new for them. And so I think when we um, the teaching helped a lot. And then the other thing I, uh, we did as the months went along, we would signpost, so we'd say, today we're gonna try, uh, you know, we're gonna sing out in tongues. You know, remember we learned about this, or we heard about this. or That was a prophetic word, and this is what a prophetic word does. So we'd signpost a little bit along the way to just keep teaching into it, keep facilitating it, keep calling it out and encouraging it so that eventually the church mm-hmm. um, learned um, what we were talking about. So it, it was a journey, and I, I think teaching helped a lot.
0: Yeah, so I mean, there's. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the leadership kind of. Uh, would your leadership team, the leadership team in your church, also sense that we're going on a journey and we're not quite there, or would you say?
4: <coughs> um. Yes, I think they would. Okay. Um. Our Our church is like the poster child for a Reformed Church. Um uh, okay. So it's very. It uh, can be very. I mean, the, the elders have met together and where it's a new eldership team that's sort of started from September, they've put strategies in place and things in place, and one of the things is, is actively encouraging people to respond to the Holy Spirit. Like, you yeah, mentioned teaching, actually, I, I've, I've mentioned that, I've, I've, the time I've been there, I've not heard teaching about mm. the Holy Spirit. I mean, we get incredible teaching, we're very blessed. Mm. Yeah. But there's not been the teaching about the Holy Spirit, and then, like, I love what you said about worshipping after that, and giving time
3: to respond to it. Um, I mm. think, well, that would help, but I think they
4: would, I think they would notice.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I mean, I think... Yeah. So just
3: thought came to my mind. What about planting one or two of your singers in the congregation?
0: Well, I was about to say, um, actually, there are probably people in your congregation, you probably know them already, that are catalysts, mm. that are people that actually are on the front foot and want to see that, and actually just having a conversation—not saying, "Can you do that?" But actually, guys, do you see the vision for where we want to go? Yeah. And I would really appreciate it when we, in that, in that worship space, for you to really help us, mm. you know. And actually, it's amazing what happens when one or two catalysts, people on the front foot, mm. um, help the later doctors. And and they come on the journey with you. So it's it's mm-hmm. building that culture with a core of people that are with you on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be helpful, Toby.
1: Yeah. Sorry, um, I don't mean to jump in. Uh, something we had. I don't want to say something similar. I don't want to make an unfair House, we've been in the same church, but um, we we talked yesterday in a different session about like creating safety. And mm-hmm. I think um, if you want people to. Pray out. You need to create safety, and where that can start in a very small and very practical way is try singing a chorus without any instruments, mm. and, and let people just hear the sound of their voices. Yeah, very good. And do it in a nice key. Do it a simple song, a refrain, just something. Mm. People have the words. They don't have to think of yeah. the words. create <laughs> a little bit of safety, and then try and get them something a bit more, a bit different, maybe, you know, or, or just build on that. And build it yeah. That is, and it's a great
4: idea, and um, we try, great, yeah. um, Because the congregation is so quiet, okay. they stop. Some of them, yeah, we've right. actually tried it and then they just completely stop singing because yeah. I've stopped. Okay. And then they, you know, I've seen people with their eyes closed, and then I stop singing and ring <laughs> the mic and open my eyes uh, because they've stopped singing. Yeah. Um, uh, they've opened their eyes because we've stopped singing. So mm. we've <laughs> Well, so I, would, I would say it's that is. then,
1: like, it's, if, if that is a barrier, I would say persevere until your heart's yeah, in yeah, that area. yeah. Because yeah, if you good. tried it once and it didn't work, then again, it's like, there's fear there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there isn't that culture of safety. People clearly, for whatever reason, don't come that they can do that. Yeah. So there needs to be a level of perseverance until people are there. And, and
0: who are those people that can help you in that environment? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even be quite prescriptive on the first or two second occasions, like, yeah. I'm going to go for this kind of chorus, but I'm going to come for the mic, mm-hmm. really want our congregations to sing, please help us. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
5: That's right. I think this is um, just to continue that, but on a different perspective, because we uh, probably say that most churches struggle with this in some respect. But um, we actually, so me and my wife started a life group specifically that we would sing, and we would encu- encourage prophetic words, we would encourage the Holy Spirit, and it was, uh, I think it, the banner was Prayer, Prophetic, and Pudding, Mm. <laughs> and praise, prayer, prophetic, and pudding. And we had people come to this art group that we were not expecting. So we didn't say, um, Music team, we expect you to be here. It was oh, open to anyone. Very good. And every week um, I'd play keys and sing and we would just worship real simple refrains, choruses. And it probably took about a year or, or something like that. And we just spoke to them and said, Do You know what? Would be a real encouragement for the worship team is if you come down to the front and mm-hmm. not worry about anyone else and just worship. And the Sunday after that, they the the four of them sat right in the front and they just worshipped. And they said it was the most freeing environment that they've ever had because when they're further back they can see people. Yeah. So when they're at the front <laughs> and they were praising, <laughs> raising their arms. And you could just see the church just kind of like a fire catching on Again. you could just mm. see that this exactly what you're saying is its catalyst mm. and it just started from something very simple mm. um, i'm not saying it's perfect and it definitely will work mm. but thank you it's a thought
0: yeah teresa
6: my question's more about um submission and authority in okay. the context of worship so i've sung in worship teams for 30 odd years mm-hmm. And, and now has stepped back to let newer people come through. Um, but fine, because we've got some brilliant musicians, mm. but not so experienced in leaving space for the Holy Spirit mm. to move. So when I was part of the team, I would have quite happily said as a singer, can you just stay on those few chords mm-hmm. for a moment? Because I knew the Spirit was yeah. stirring within me to bring a prophetic song. Now I'm in the congregation. <laughs> yeah. There's not that space coming. Mm is it okay to still just come up and can you, you know yeah. keyboards, can you just yeah. now I'm not part of the team anymore but still have that gifting that I want to still move in that way yeah. but want to leave space for new people to come through and yeah, it's I kind mean, of, it's that tension of the frustration, that, I think I've got something but there's not any space happening for it. Yeah. No but
2: we actually have that in our church, sometimes we have a couple of our, our singers who are not on team yeah. but who are you know, but I, I I'll see some of them come up to the front, and then they look at me, and then I know they've got a song, and then I yeah. and then I know that I'll just have to go one four one four one four five, and then they will yeah. sing along to that, yeah, yeah. and they'll just yeah. go for it,
0: yeah. I suppose, I mean, I don't know what the dynamic is in terms of the handover and who's now <clears> leading that team, and they might be quite new into an experience and need some help on the journey of creating that space I don't know if, like your situation no well I mean it's um you know I, I imagine that their heart's in a good place and they want to do their best um but sometimes people just learn different kind of blocks at different times in life you know and and I think probably encouragement um if you see that the team have done that just really encourage it yes. as well. So if you see, like, oh, gosh, they they actually did leave some space
3: yeah.
0: on a Sunday and you notice it, yeah. like, really go and encourage that say, guys, that was really great. Yeah. Like I'd love to see more of that. That's fantastic. Yeah. But... Because um, I just know that when someone's new into a team and they're trying to do everything and they're, like, probably think of a hundred different things and, you know, the the more negative comment can be quite hard to take and yeah. it doesn't often bring change. Mm. I'm not saying that you're doing that at all. But I just... Yeah, like whatever you want to see, it, whatever the kind of the values that you want to see and the culture that you want to see, in there, like really encourage it when you see it, particularly in younger people, because it's amazing what encouragement can do um, in that as well. So uh, we we got some time, I think. Yeah, still got fifteen minutes or so.
3: Yes, <laughs> just had another thought. Um, one quite nice thing we do in our church, and I'm fairly new mm-hmm. at that church. We have a songs of praise session as well. Okay. And we have little forms we fill in, and we make requests. And it's rather nice when your request comes up. <laughs> Some of okay. oh, now we're going to sing How Great They Are, and Peter's requesting this. Okay. And uh, it just gives you more ownership, sense of belonging. Right? Mm. That's great. Yes? So, um, I just want to say a few things
7: church when we were not before pre-COVID mm. and we came back and everyone said a little bit and plus we've done so much stuff online um and then so it, it, i came back to people that didn't want to didn't you couldn't hear, i could just hear myself on the mic mm. and then um and then people were just really rigid and then i had the whole nerves thing about um wanting to allow time to hope spirit then being mindful of the band so i've had all of those things i've gone through all of those things and what i've heard so far has been really really helpful Because I feel that we are kind of, I've kind of thankfully used those advice Mm -hmm. I've heard so far um, over time, and it has really worked and helped. And we're now having younger members of the our youth joining, Mm -hmm. who play instruments and trying to encourage and engage them in um, not just playing of the instrument, but allowing the Holy Spirit um, uh, allowing to. Spirit to, change, to be in the atmosphere, change the atmosphere, and being guided by the Holy Spirit is a real development thing. Mm. And being someone that doesn't have a musical instrumental background, I must admit, I'm still, I'm getting there, but I'm still struggling. Mm. Um, I think, is it other than the advice you've given her regarding like, you know, communication, mm. is there any other advice? Should I learn an instrument? Um, <laughs> <laughs> or is there a way that I can still, that I can develop that part, because I think that would be beneficial for my team I am. I think keys. I've got that down. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't. So you, like, you
0: play a bit of keys. You no, know, it's in
7: like.
2: Yeah, um, which key uh, to sing songs? Okay. 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 Sing right.
4: It. Sorry. Yeah.
7: Yeah, we going. I don't know. That kind so, <laughs> so we have kind of and it kind of understanding the transition working mm. with the drums. That's always the drums Good. for me. That is like. Uh, yeah. Um, but I'm learning. But I think is there anything else practically? Yeah. That could be helpful Some to tools. support. Um, the rest mm. of the team?
0: Well, you are... That's just such a great journey. Um, mm. With, I mean, Natalia is all very similar in that she just doesn't play an instrument at all, but she's like just such an incredible worship leader, mm. honestly. Um, so I think, you know, uh, you say like drums are really important. Do you mean like you can articulate what you want? No, or, I can't. That's okay. what I mean so that, drums, that's, no, Yeah, no, so not I not. mean, I would probably do a little bit of research on just understanding... The, a few core things from different instruments that you know when you're in a rehearsal time you're like i know what i want but i don't know how to articulate it yeah so like and you can just research this on google probably it's like okay, what what or, or um so like what does four on the floor mean or you know what does the 16th groove mean or you know um or on, on keys it might be something or or guitars just a little bit i mean you don't have to be a I mean, it's,
7: so far, it's not been too bad because they really experienced themselves. Yeah, so great. Guide me as well. So it's yeah, really great. And things come together so beautifully. Mm. Disagree <laughs> yeah. with track Yeah, but um, it's been really encouraging, But I think I just want to make sure, as, like,
3: if there's anything else, uh, well, you know, as in terms of practically
0: and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there are. There's one. So I use something called Chart Builder, multi tracks Chart Builder. It is a paid subscription, but it's um, it gives you options for um, kind of um, it's a rehearsal. It, it's a rehearsal mix kind of thing, but you can pull out different um, instruments and listen to that separately. It'll help you with the keys and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there's probably other things like that which just help you to probably go into the rehearsal space, just uh, the clear arrangement in your mind and things that you want to hear and, and, and stuff like that. That might be helpful. I don't know if there are other things that other people have. Yeah, Katie. I
8: also don't play an instrument. Um, utterly not musical. But well, I leave Russia, I say. Um, and I, two bits of advice. I ask my musicians mm-hmm. quite often, exactly yeah. like that. Yeah. I know exactly what I want, but I don't know how to tell them. Mm-hmm. So maybe I might sing it. I might say to the guitarist, this is this is what I'd like mm-hmm. you to play. Or I might clap a rhythm that I want to the drummer, and then they might say to me, okay, that's called exposition, or you know, whatever. Um, I think having that communication mm-hmm. with your band, if you're already able to do it, if I've really experienced that. Yeah. That's so great. Um, and learn from them. I don't. I don't feel like I need to play an instrument yeah. to be able to lead my team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just started looking into something called Worship street mm-hmm. which sounds maybe similar to what mm-hmm. Sean's using. Um, it's it is a subscription-based thing, but I think there's like a 21-day free trial or something um, that I've actually just encouraged my team to start looking into and. It's got a wealth of songs on there, and it breaks each song down by instrument. And each musician can either use it to learn that specific part on their instrument, or actually, I quite often just go and use it and think, "How maybe do I want the guitar to sound in this?" Or you know, what when I'm listening to the original of a track or something, like I really love that drum group, but I like, maybe you can't hear it properly. Go in to work Artistry, and it and it breaks it right down. Um, and I think again, it's just that way of listening to it, and then being able to.
0: How so about? The uh, chart Builder, so multi tracks is the company. Because
8: uh. it's
7: not, I know it's very technical talking about, but the thing is, you find that it does build the atmosphere as well, so you want to just know that you understand, mm. so yeah. Well, it no goes matter. back
0: to the thing about preparing yourself and preparing your team, so that almost the musicality side of things is so, mm. kind of, it's not secondary, it's not like it's not important, it's just, it's, it's not here in your yeah, mind, it's, it's like here. Yeah. So yeah, anything like that. Anyone, uh, what about the sort of dynamics between host, worship leader, preacher, timing and all, I mean I'm sure that's a whole kind of worship (laughs) wars and all that. Any any kind of challenges there that anyone wants to ask any questions about? Um, What's the relationship like between the anchor and the worship leader? And maybe maybe you guys have got no problems at all with that. We
4: have that problem in terms of (laughs) Sometimes my husband's one anchoring, yeah. <laughs> so it makes it even worse because he'll be like, "Look at me and nod before you start the next song," because I want us to. Be, and I, Sometimes I say, "I can see the congregation." Mm. So, so there's a the husband work dynamic anyway where you're just more likely to argue. <laughs> but there is, there is that, there is that um, battle between. So one one Sunday morning, I came, to, I came to worship, and I was just like, "I do something different. And you just can't keep coming on a Sunday, singing for a set, and then leaving." So. Um, the, the guy who was anchoring um, sort of said a prayer and, and said, okay, now let's sing. And then uh, I had in mind to actually, for everyone to pray first and for people to raise their voices before we start singing worship. Yeah. And then I had scripture and I did it anyway. Bec- and I thought to myself, his bit was short enough for me to do that. If they, if we have some anchors who love who will, like mm-hmm. can go on for yeah. quite a while. So then when they're on, I'm just, like, just going to sing. Yeah. But he gave it a short time and then at the yeah. end he was like, ask let me know what you're doing. So then I'll come I'll yeah. back in. And it's just, it's learning and dynamic, but yeah. we we'll definitely have that struggle between yeah. what the anchor uh, wants to do and then what the worship leader wants to yeah. do, who's supposed to call the shots. Yeah, that's
3: good. Tony? Yeah. Um,
1: I just, if I, if I, if I can, we've, we've been on a long journey with that. I feel yeah. like we the other end of it. So uh, if there's anything in this that helps, take it, if it's all rubbish, you but, um So I think, I read I think that, it sounds obvious now to say it, but it's, it's easy to say, it's harder to act, I think. But I think something a lot of our worship leaders found difficult was um, they were finding that the meeting leader was interrupting their spot. <laughs> they were like, this is, my, this is my time with the Holy Spirit, and it mm-hmm. was um, And it was trying to move away from that mentality. And no one would say it like that, but I think in, right, I've got my songs, and I've planned for spontaneity. I'm being really holy because I've planned for spontaneity. <laughs> 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 suddenly, someone's interrupted and I'm absolutely fuming. How dare? I've planned for the Holy Spirit and someone brings the Holy Spirit
2: to me. <laughs> like, it's crazy.
1: But, <laughs> and this would kind of, you know, it would happen, I think, uh, man's of <coughs> <usually laughs> expectations for what, you know, because ultimately they were. like, well, I feel God's saying this. And, well, I feel God's saying this. Like, well, this is crazy. We're not doing so, I think what we had, you know, we always talk beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. I make, I always make a point when I'm reading, at least, and I'm encouraging my worship leaders to do so call the person preaching during the week. Um, where are they going to land? It's not about picking the perfect song, but it, it might be tone. Yeah. Yeah, it might be, uh, let, you, you know, maybe you don't want to launch into Happy Day when we've just got a beautiful yeah. ministry that <laughs> they're You know, um, and and before the, the meeting on a Sunday, it's little conversations, are you going to send the kids up this week or am I? Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, yeah. sounds like a tiny yeah. thing, yeah. but I prefer to let the meeting leader do it because it maybe it's selfish because I don't want to have to think about it and I will forget. But also, um, it, it allows that moment for them to pray over the kids as they leave mm-hmm. and perhaps it shows that this is a collaborative thing, it's not the Toby show and if mm-hmm. I will let you up and I fancy it, you know. But I would also say, don't let any contributions up between one and two or two and three because yeah. we've yeah, planned so it in this way yeah, and again yeah. you know and i think that's okay to say that it's yeah. again confidence and safety yeah. the person we're talking to, yeah. But, yeah. um and then say actually or some mornings i'll say actually songs three onwards are all in the same key so i don't really mind what you do if there's a good space i'll i'll be looking at you i'll be watching between songs yeah do what you feel is right and then let them do that's So
3: good. Yeah, it's just
0: yeah. It's relationship. It's honouring each other. Um, it's talking ahead of time, planning it together, collaboration. It's so good, Toby. I, I, I think
4: had, I had a sorry. So I had a funny incident happen actually. The Sunday just gone. Um, I was singing a song that I set quite a quite high key one, and I thought I can manage the song and that's great. I'll do it. So I did it. By the end, my you know my voice is getting tired, and Bianca. I, I won't say who. Martin, uh-huh. maybe, and said, We're going to sing that song again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I looked at him and ah. <laughs> And he came and I said, I said, I said, I'm just going to do the last verse. <laughs> and he was like, Send a significant bunch of it. So yeah. I, said, and I said, No. <laughs> I can't. And my voice actually went so much, I just finished worship early because I couldn't actually consider it a set. But yeah,
0: it's, it's difficult. We, we've we come to our end of our time. Um, I think just. Something. Oh, I want to pray before we finish. But um, I think in all of this, it's really important that we guard our hearts. You know, it's just that there's no space for that kind of bitterness to creep in. And Mm. but it can happen. You know, like this is a test. It's quite a testing environment, as I said. Like this wouldn't be the way you'd naturally do it, Mm. because the Bible says it, and because we want the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to do it like this, Mm. and it's going to cause us to kind of bump into each other sometimes. Mm. But actually, that's an opportunity love
3: yeah
0: that's why 1 Corinthians 12 is in, or 13 is in the middle of those two other chapters you know like it's really important that we everything we're doing is because you love God we love each other mm-hmm. um, so I hope this has been helpful let me just pray for us um, before we go um, yeah Father thank you so much for our time here together and uh, thank you for just for um, that you dwell among us and that you love dwelling among us um, and god we want to um, honor you um, when we meet together um, and i just pray that just anything that was helpful today anything that was from you i pray that it would just um, stick with us anything that wasn't just let it fall to the ground lord and i pray for everyone in this room all of us that we would go away um, just inspired and encouraged and we'd go back and see um, our meetings Transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Help us to lead by your Spirit. Help Mm -hmm. us to do that in humility, but courageously as
3: well. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you.